Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode cloud servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean, the simplest cloud platform out there. And we're excited to share they now offer dedicated virtual droplets. And unlike standard droplets, which use shared virtual CPU threads, their two performance plans, general purpose and CPU optimized, they have dedicated virtual CPU threads. This translates to higher performance and increased consistency during CPU intensive processes. So if you have build boxes, CI, CD, video encoding, machine learning, ad serving, game servers, databases, batch processing, data mining, application servers, or active front end web servers that need to be full duty CPU all day, every day, then check out DigitalOcean's dedicated virtual CPU droplets. Pricing is very competitive, starting at 40 bucks a month. Learn more, get started for free with a $50 credit at do.co slash changelog. Again, do.co slash changelog. Welcome to Practical AI, a weekly podcast about making artificial intelligence practical, productive, and accessible to everyone. This is where conversations around AI, machine learning, and data science happen. Join the community and Slack with us around various topics of the show at changelaw.com slash community. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Practical AI FM. And now onto the show. Welcome to another fully connected episode of Practical AI, where my co-host Chris and I keep you fully connected with everything that's happening in the AI community. Uh, We'll take some time to discuss some of the latest AI news and dig into some learning resources to help you level up your machine learning game. Uh, I'm joined today, um, as usual, by my co-host Chris Benson who is a principal AI strategist at Lockheed Martin. Uh, how you doing, Chris? Welcome back from vacation. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Yeah, you. Uh, so our listeners may not know, but you, you got to have a, a nice uh, nice couple weeks of, of vacation and uh, hope, hope you uh, had some, some good rest with that. I, I did. Uh, I had started as as we were recording some previous episodes uh, in the UK, but my wife is British, so she and my daughter joined me there, and we spent two weeks with uh, family and friends and had a great time. Thanks, thanks. It was good. It was nice just to to walk away for two weeks and and recharge the batteries. So I'm back, ready to go. Awesome. Well, uh, you may or may not know, but during the last couple weeks while you were uh, enjoying vacation. Um, the international AI politics world kind of exploded a bit, <laughs> uh, to, to say the least. So there's, there's been some developments related to uh, China and, and AI, um, and that's definitely been kind of a central point in the news that's intersected the AI community. So I thought that might be good to to dig into a bit today. What do you think? Absolutely, let's jump into it. Um, and 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 I've been largely sequestered from the news, so uh, I'll be coming in with bright eyed and bushy tailed, uh, hearing it for the first time. So let's uh, dive in with what you got, Daniel. Sounds sounds good. And yeah, and I should say, I don't think either one of us consider ourselves uh, complete, uh, you know, or or even semi experts on uh, international trade and politics and all sorts of things that, that factor into this. Um, but kind of the the bottom line is that 
AI and tech and these sort of interactions that have been happening between the U.S. and China, they're, they're all kind of intertwined in this really weird and interesting and sometimes disturbing way. Um, and so, yeah, maybe a good way to start out this discussion would just be to in a, give a little bit of background on some of the elements that are coming to uh, coming into this. Um, so we're eventually going to get to a point where we can talk about this AI blacklist that the U.S. came out with that kind of is blacklisting uh, uh, U.S. companies from doing business with certain AI companies in China, which is why we're talking about it on this podcast. But there's a whole bunch of things factoring into that. One of those is uh, the the Uyghur population in China. So um, the the Uyghurs in China are an ethnic minority. They're a, they're a Muslim um, minority group in China in the in the western part of China in uh, Xinjiang, and um, uh, it's pretty well documented at this point. So we're not speculating here, but it's pretty well documented by the United Nations and others that there's been about a million of these uh, uh, ethnic Uyghurs in China that have been detained by China in in re-education camps, what they call re-education camps. So essentially, um, detained. Have, have you heard about this? Totally have. I, I, that was, you know, before I went on vacation that had been going on for quite some time. And, uh, and I think it's, I think it's tragic as, as any time that you have a government clamping down on ethnic groups, uh, you know, that's just, uh, it's a sad situation. So yeah, I think it's definitely something, uh, that we should all be aware of if we're not already. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, um, there's, of course, a lot of human rights issues tied up in this, but it is interesting that the that all of this sort of stuff that's happening with the Uyghurs in China is very connected, actually, to AI and the tech side of things. So, of course, China has been taking kind of a, a harder line approach to dealing with these Muslim minorities. Um, and part of that has to do with uh, like the sophisticated surveillance technology that they're that they're developing and deploying a, across uh, this region. I think you've probably mentioned a couple times on the podcast, you know, things related to facial recognition, um, if I remember right, um, and some of the some of the ethics things tied into that. Yeah, I mean, China, in terms of surveillance of its own citizens, China, I mean, doesn't just lead the way globally, they are in a classification all by themselves. Um, I recently for for a talk that I was giving that wasn't specifically about this, um, but I was looking at different cities around the world uh, with surveillance and, you know, that, that had different some tie into AI and some didn't and such. But um, so, you know, China just dominated the list. And if you looked at the raw number of cameras in the regions, um, China just, you know, orders the magnitude more. So um, it, there's kind of China and then there's the rest of the world in terms of, of surveillance of this type. And, and yeah, it's, it's increased too. I think in the, um, I think it was around um, like spring and June, uh, I started seeing a pretty big surge in, uh, academic research uh, papers that, I mean, you could imagine cases where maybe they wouldn't be used for surveilling Muslim minorities, but it was almost like completely obvious that these papers um, from Chinese researchers were were geared towards upping the surveillance um, 
uh, of these of these minority groups. Um, I'm just pulling up a couple of those now that I that I had uh, had written down. So this one, it's an article. It's like facial feature discovery for ethnicity recognition. So <laughs> it's not like really like um, hidden, you know, at all. There, they even talk about constructing a. A data set, an eth- ethnical group face data set, including Chinese, Uyghur, Tibetan, and Korean, um, and uh, and so these these papers are not so subtle, and it's pretty clear that there's a lot of AI research that's that's actually um, going into this, which is uh, which is is pretty disturbing. I know there were a lot of people at that time um, kind of calling for peer review journals to to up their, you know, ethics part of their review um, with these things. And I guess that gets into some conversations around censorship and other things. There's a whole lot of things factored in here. But Yeah, it's kind of, you know, we've talked previously about, you know, the, the social credit system that is in place in certain parts of China and has been, uh, you know, going through implementation over the last couple of years and continues to be implemented you know, starting in, in, you know, major cities such as Beijing and then moving out. Uh, from there. And this is, you know, what we're seeing with the the Uyghurs here is essentially kind of the worst case scenario being realized, you know, where where you're specifically targeting uh, an ethnic group and you're using this this advanced technology to enable that targeting. Um, it's uh, it, it's the world that we we definitely didn't want to see coming about, um, you know, as lovers of these of these technologies that we talk about every week. Yep. And on top of that, so this is kind of a first slice of the complication pie. Um, A second slice of that, of course, is the ongoing U.S.-China trade negotiations slash trade war stuff that's happening. I'm sure even while you were on vacation, you probably could not avoid hearing... Every once in a while, someone talking about that at the pub or something like that. Oh, constantly. So it was, uh, I mean, in the UK while I was there, uh, I mean, everyone talks about obviously Brexit, uh, but they also talk about uh, the Americans and the Chinese and and Trump and and all of that. So yeah, even even though my wife largely tried to ban me from uh, social media and news, you know anything that was online to try to get me to focus on the family, which I I tried to comply with as as best as I possibly could. I think I succeeded. Um, I still you know we would we would meet up with friends and family, and they would immediately say, Chris what's the American take on this and that and the other? And I would try to explain. So, yeah, I mean, the U.S.-China trade war is is one of those top things that everyone around the world is talking about right now. Yeah, and it's kind of in a state of going back and forth, like, oh, we're going to put tariffs on uh, soybeans and whatever, and then we're going to put tariffs on cranberries, and we're going to put tariffs on X, Y, and Z. And so you got this back and forth. Um, I think even today... Um, at least at the time of this recording, there's trade negotiations going on between uh, Trump and his team and, and the Chinese delegation in Washington. Correct. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of pie slice of complication too. Um, then you've got all of this other stuff that's happening um, in places like Hong Kong, especially Hong Kong, where there's been these pro-democracy protests going on forever. Of course, Facial recognition and surveillance has been, you know, a topic in that as well. Um, I've seen pictures of, you know, protesters taking down these surveillance like 
poles or or mm-hmm. uh, like posts that have cameras on them and stuff. So there's there's a lot of so there's a pro democracy protest element going on there, tied in with with China, um, but also an AI co- component as well. There is. I, I rem- even yesterday I was reading an article that uh, Apple in the in the uh, oh, iPhone yeah, app right. store had removed an app yeah. that told protesters where police were, and the 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 Hong Kong government uh, their position was you're putting police lives in danger. Um, I. I, I sense, though, that the reality is quite the opposite uh, in terms of, of who is actually in danger. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's really a lot of elements of this. There's even the NBA, uh, the the Basketball uh, Association, which I'm not a sports person, but the NBA is huge in China. I do know that. So they're, they're involved in this now because of some of the things that a, a coach uh, or manager had said. Um, you know, the TV show South Park, they're, they're kind of embroiled in this. So there's like all of these different elements where, um, like the U S and China and AI and tech and trade are all sort of coalescing into this weirdness, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we're, it's, it's definitely, uh, you're definitely seeing, uh, you know, we're seeing divided world in so many, so many areas, and this is, uh, becoming a rather extreme case of it. Yep. So that brings us to whenever it was last week, I guess at this point where we have this blacklist of AI companies come coming out. So, um, the U S commerce department, uh, said that it's adding a a bunch of Chinese uh, organizations and businesses to this list, but it includes at least eight primarily AI-focused companies, um, adding to this list called the Entity List for Acting Against American Foreign Policy Interests. It's a long name, but essentially what this does, like the the, uh, mechanism or, or what it results in, is that it bars U.S. companies from selling technologies to these blacklisted uh, entities, which obviously is is a type of sort of sanction situation. Sure, absolutely, and and I think the concern there is uh, is probably you know first and foremost security issues on whether or not uh, information uh, is collected and passed uh, back to China uh, for use by the government uh, or even even by commercial entities that are maybe operating um, on behalf of the government uh, and then obviously there's intellectual uh, property issues tied to it as well. This episode is brought to you by Brave. The Brave team is on a mission to fix the web by building an open source, privacy-focused, and performance-oriented browser. Browse the web up to eight times faster than Chrome and Safari, block ads and trackers by default, and reward your favorite creators with the built-in basic attention token. Yes, you heard that right, a real-world use case for blockchain. Download Brave for free using the link in the show notes and give tipping a try on changelog.com. Okay, so there's these eight 
AI-focused companies that have been blacklisted by the U.S. government. Um, and I kind of started, as I was thinking through this, um, I started thinking, first of all, I mean, there's probably interesting technology in a variety of ways that these companies are developing, whether it's being used for bad or good. I'm, I'm not totally sure. I mean, they are kind of all tied up in this this complicated situation. Um, and so I thought maybe, Chris, if, if you're up for it, maybe what we could do is just uh, try to do a sort of blind taste testing of these companies and see um, essentially wh who they are, what they say they're developing, what news sources are telling us that they're developing, and kind of, I guess, get a pulse on... Um, you know, a kind of state of the Chinese AI companies and, and what they're doing and what is interesting tech-wise, uh, maybe what is cool and and positive, what isn't cool and positive, what what everybody's saying. Um, I don't know. Are you up for that game? I'm up for the game. So so uh, essentially, uh, here in front of all of our friends listening, we're gonna go to their websites and take a look at what they uh, what they're saying. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of start us out. I thought maybe, so I'll go to a first one's website and kind of try to tell you what my impression is of what they're, what they're developing, what they have. Okay. And then, um, and then maybe at the same time, you could look up a couple of news articles that you find and we can see if, if they have the same impression of what they're doing um, or if there's a gap there or Whatever, whatever we can learn. Sound good? It's a deal. What company you want to start with? All right. Um, so the first one on my list that I had seen was uh, called uh, Hikvision or uh, Hikvision. I'm, I'm not sure the pronunciation. This demonstrates that I'm really going into this blind. Um, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your, your company name. I, I do apologize. Um, but they, uh, so their website I, that I'm at is us heek or heekvision.com. Um, and it looks like like the big thing that I'm noticing when I go to this website is everything about cameras. So there's pages of like network cameras, like product selectors where you can select your camera. It's talking about apertures on cameras and advanced sensors and um, all sorts of things. But um, I see a kind of tab that's... Uh, that's machine vision. Um, and so I, that seems probably to be what, what's most relevant for us. So it says, uh, Hikvision success in video surveillance market was established, um, blah, blah, blah. Um, they have fast and accurate positioning guidance, dimension measurement, and identification. Um, and this is from the robotics division. They're, they're kind of highlighting here an under vehicle surveillance system and machine vision uh, cameras. So it, it looks like they're kind of promoting this, the usage of this technology in a variety of ways, which do seem completely legitimate, right? Like if you're trying to see if there's bombs under your car, you could have this camera system under your car. I'm assuming that's what it's meaning to, to identify certain objects under a car. And they're also, they're also emphasizing um, the machine vision side of things in terms of like manufacturing. So 
um, installing these cameras in manufacturing places to trace certain objects through your your factory, let's say, or to sort items in your in your factory. Um, and so that's kind of the sense that I get that they're 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 really leading in machine vision, but emphasizing a lot of these industrial applications of the of the machine vision. I do see yeah. one example. Uh, that's an unmanned aerial vehicle, um, so a, a drone, um, and they're emphasizing use of that in managing transportation infrastructure and equipment, so like highways. Gotcha. So while you were doing that, I Googled and got a Bloomberg article called China's, and I'm probably going to butcher the name too, but Heek Vision uh, has probably filmed you, is what the article title is. Um, oh. Starts with a couple of bullets. It says, cameras are installed at army bases, airports, and schools. And then a uh, second bullet says, Trump administration concerned about Chinese spying tactics. And as I scanned down through this article while you were talking, uh, there was one paragraph that kind of jumped out. It says, Hikvision, which is controlled by the Chinese government and Dahu, are leaders in the market for surveillance technology with cameras that can produce sharp, full-color images in fog and near total darkness. They also use oh, artificial wow. intelligence. I mean, to, that's pretty cool. Yeah. They, they, are, they also use artificial intelligence to power 3D people-counting cameras and facial recognition systems on a vast scale. And so... I certainly can understand why the U.S. government, if if any of that is accurate and if they were using it uh, in certain venues, I could understand why there might be a concern over that. That doesn't mean, uh, obviously, that I, that I have any insight into their activities or how they use it, but um, I, I could certainly understand why any government might be concerned about the potential for another government to have uh, to be able to use these technologies to to gain insight from an intelligence standpoint. Yeah, I mean the uh, the 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 sense it is interesting because the sense I get from the website um, is very much like a manufacturing focus. Uh, even um, you know some of the the headlines are about uh, industrial area scanning cameras and and of course the traffic uh transportation management stuff um and so uh yeah at least on the english version of the site um that that's kind of what they're emphasizing which i mean to be honest that that seems like a very legitimate um use of the technology and and probably something that Amazon and others are are doing as well right yeah and there's it's interesting that you raised that um you know a few months ago there was a, a bit of a scandal with Amazon uh, specifically AWS um you know in its services being used by you know for facial recognition being used by law enforcement here in the US uh, with it, with our citizens and it was a, a bit of an uproar and um, Amazon turned around uh, I believe the, the the product by the way was was the recognition with a K uh, product and they stopped selling it to law enforcement is my understanding if I recall correctly it's been a few months right but, but maybe they're using it in their warehouse for similar things that are being emphasized on this website right like traceability or smart logistics is is how they kind of term it totally it's, it's funny as we talk about this um, I spend a lot of time on the topic of AI ethics uh, as part of of my job and other tangential interests to that and you know you know as I look at this you know it's really all about 
what are your what is your attention here? What what if you're looking at this company? Uh, if they're using it uh, for some of the use cases that you outlined, then um, you know that that is beneficial. That is something that uh, uh, you know that that increases the capability potentially. Um, if they're using it for nefarious purposes, you know it really comes down to intent and use case. Uh, you know in terms of you know whether or not they're being fairly uh, called out or not. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, probably if they're advertising these things and they have like use case stories around them, I imagine they are using the technology for manufacturing and logistics and yep. those sorts of things. I guess the the shadiness is probably the connection with the government, right? And, um, you know, what they what they potentially don't feature on the on the website. I, I, I think and I think that's a, a fair statement. Um, the. The concern, I think that, um, and it's it's different. It's not universal. Uh, it's different between the U.S. and the U.K. I've noticed. Um, the U.S. concern is uh, is is largely on, um, you know, kind of worrying about the nefarious issues and intent. Uh, the U.K. on the other hand has uh, has you know largely said they are absolutely going to continue to do business with China. Um, and, you know, they have, uh, you know, outside China, you know, you know, London in general, London is one of the most uh, surveilled cities in the world uh, with their CCTV system. Um, and, and they are a lot less worried about it there. It's, uh, it's an interesting perspective shift. For sure. Um, so let's go to candidate number two, um, company on the blacklist number two that we're, we're going to look into. And this one's called iFly Tech. I'm pretty sure that's the correct pronunciation. I don't know how else you would you would say that. So that one's easier. Okay. Um, iFly Tech. Um, do you want to take a look at their website? Um, and maybe we can maybe we can flip flop, and then I'll kind of see what I can find elsewhere on the uh, on the internet. Okay, that is fine. Uh, so I have found their website. Uh, this is all in Chinese for the moment, all in... Uh, so ah, me... you got to get some uh, Google Translate going. Yeah, you I don't... Open that in Chrome? I did open it in Chrome, but it didn't automatically translate. So um, maybe we'll flip-flop for the moment so we don't waste people's time, and then I'll take... Uh, I'll, I'll do the, right. the article Googling. Here we Sorry go. about Here, that. And, and I would like to take this time as a proud data scientist with SIL International to uh, highlight <laughs> the world's language problems Yes, um, that are still yet to be solved. Um, yeah, so I did get the translate option there. Um, so uh, I got the translate option and it's uh, telling me, let's see, I'm scrolling down. There's a bit about education on the on the front, and I see this sort of odd looking robot uh, thing, like a uh, uh, robot guy. They're talking about um, internet plus government affairs, uh, solve the roundup operation between civil affairs departments. They're talking about an AI lab, um, all around application of government and industry intelligent business smart smart tube business um i'm assuming maybe that has to do with uh trains or or something like that um but they have this uh i don't know they have this thing called hyperbrain or hyperbrain project uh which is a laboratory for speech and language information processing that sounds pretty cool 
um, cognitive intelligence system based on a humanoid neural network based on the key projects of the 800 people. So this is all a translation, but it seems like they're at least doing something with like uh, machine intelligence language. Um, Looks like they've got some partnerships with like malls and shopping um, and uh, some developer toolkit sort of stuff. So that's pretty much what I'm... I may be butchering all of that because I'm working off of a translation, but um, right at the top it says "empower the world with AI." So, gotcha. Um, I, seems I, pretty ambitious. It does. I found an article here. Uh, it's technologyreview.com. Why 500 million people in China are talking to this AI? Um, and <clears throat> it was funny when I pulled in just as you were starting to get into uh, looking over their webpage. When I heard iFly Tech. I had, I just assumed it was a drone company. Um, yeah, not, not being I mean, familiar with it. You know, iFlyTech. I just came from uh, the first Alpha Pilot race. You know, going back to uh, a recent episode where we talked about Alpha uh-huh. Pilot. So I was thinking that. So I was rather surprised to, to suddenly realize it was language based. Um, they talk in this article uh, about a, a bunch of things, including that they have a developer platform called the iFlyTech Open Platform which provides voice-based AI technologies to over 400,000 developers in various industries. Yeah, um, I see that uh, developer tab on the website. Yeah, They're, they're valued in, in U.S. dollars. They'd be valued as a $12 billion company. Uh, international operations, uh, you know, looks interesting. Looks a lot like... Uh, yeah, I mean, your, this... Honestly, a lot of the things that they mentioned are personally interesting to me in terms of the voice and and language technology for sure which reminds me um and i'll I'll say this out loud so that all of our listeners here we we've got at some point to interview you about that because uh for those listeners who don't know daniel is quite the expert in that area so um upcoming episode i've I've now committed you to in front of our entire (laughs) audience all right we can we can definitely uh arrange arrange that sometime um yeah, I did you did you see anything in those articles about this whole like one of the things I see them keep emphasizing here is like education and like these child toy robot things. Yeah, there's a, there? there's a picture at the top. Let me let me delve into that here. I think that's what we're getting into. What what do you know about that while I I don't know. It just says uh children's intelligence and then I'm trying to open up the page but it's not letting me go there. Hopefully I'm not I'm not blacklisted. No, it's um, it's talking about a lot of different uses, but I haven't seen the ch- the the yeah. children one yet. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I see uh, machine translation, smart office, um, intelligent transfer, which I'm not sure what that is. Audio, uh, children's intelligence, um, and and learning or education. <laughs> they. Um, they have a a voice assistant for drivers, um, and I, ah. I will not. I'm not going to try the chi- the Mandarin word for this. I, I, but the English translation is "little flying fish." Nice. I there like you go. it. Very quaint there. Like cool. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, it seems like they're involved in a lot of cool stuff. I don't know if they're if uh, they're. It seemed like one of the first things that came up with the last one, the the uh, Hick Vision, was the very close connection with the government. Yes. Right? It was that so you know just as speaking as someone who doesn't know these companies, I I had I could see 
the possibility for ominous overtones on that on the uh, first company we we looked at. This one seems a lot friendlier, a lot more you know child and consumer oriented. Um, it, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't come off as as uh, with those ominous overtones. So, um, who all knows? right. Well, let's see. Um, let's see if we continue that trend into company number three, which is Megvi or Megvi. Uh, maybe one of those. It's M E G V I I. Okay. Um, so why don't you take the website this this time around? So um, long as it has the English, because I don't have the translate button. So we'll try it out here. S- see if uh, see if it you got. There that. we go. I do. I have an English right, version. Cool. Power humanity with AI. Okay. Oh, ambitious. There. Power humanity. I know. Let's not let's not dream small. Um, they have a proprietary deep learning framework. They gather top-tier AI talent, and they integrate. So far, this first page is very typical of what you see with companies touting Almost AI Almost sounds stuff. like, a, like a, I mean, Google Brain, OpenAI sort of feel. Yeah, it does. Um, they describe themselves uh, just as a world-class AI company with core competency in deep learning. Um as full stack solutions, it kind of feels IBM ish, you know, kind of like a bunch of corporate talk. Um, you know, that, that somewhat vague. Yeah, somewhat vague. I'm so sorry to you, IBMers. I really wasn't trying to insult you. I just uh, apologize. <laughs> uh, there. IBM is doing a lot of cool stuff. They're, they're doing, uh, hopefully, yeah. we'll have someone from there on soon. Uh, we're talking to. So. Okay. Um, leadership team of young, uh, they're all men. They're all young men. Um, they all could be. They're, they look the age of, of my own grown children. So um, now I'm feeling really old. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm looking... So I'm looking at a couple articles from Wired and uh, TechCrunch. Um, it looks like one of the big news recently was um, that the company had an IPO, um, public listing on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Um, but both of these articles that, that I'm looking at um, definitely have the, the more ominous overtone, uh, probably similar to the first one. There's a very, uh, very big focus in both articles, um, which we'll link in the show notes for sure, all of these things we're talking about, but much more focused on facial recognition uh, be, behind the rise of China's facial recognition giants. Um, so, uh, this, this is saying that Megvi, um, is, is one of the four Chinese AI startups specializing in facial recognition. So they specifically call that out as their specialty and valued at more than 1 billion, which is, uh, pretty crazy. So that would qualify them, this is saying qualifying them as a, as a unicorn in, uh, Silicon Valley speak. So a unicorn Obviously, uh, promoting a lot of deep learning technology, but seems like uh, that one billion and their IPO and most of their value is related to facial recognition and, and surveillance. Yep. Um, it says Megvi's investors include Alibaba, Ant Financial, and the Bank of China. Um, which I think if, I mean, I'm no expert on those companies, but I think that's a fairly close tie to the Chinese government. Yep. Um, probably so. Interestingly, I don't think the website comes off quite as ominously as I've been scrolling around through it. Um, it really does have that very corporate-y 
uh, feel to it. Um, uh, you know, we're and, and a little bit. You know, we're rather than than talking about the applications, they talk about their amazing deep learning capabilities, and they talk about you know smart cities and a lot of the normal buzzwords that you find with American um, Silicon Valley companies. So cool. Um, it, yeah. it sounds. Uh, I mean. It, they're coming off definitely more research focused. They are. Definitely. It seems like the maybe the other two kind of uh, to be competitive with like a Google brain or or open AI or something like that. Yep, I would agree. Cool. Well, let's, uh, um, you know, say that MegV uh, definitely has some some interesting, uh, interesting things going on. Um, but maybe there's there's a sort of ominous overtone that that's coming through. Are you getting that? Uh, possibly so. Yeah, especially from what you read, from, from what you mentioned. All right. So that brings us to our last contestant today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should be be phrasing this as a uh, as a game because um, it's quite serious stuff. But, it it um, is. I don't but know what else to do. Let's have fun with it. All right, sounds good. I'll I'll take the website this time around. Um, this one is uh, Yitu, uh, Yitu. Um, not again, not sure um, on the pronunciation. Y I T U. Um, okay. Hopefully, some of our our listeners m- maybe correct us on uh, some of these things that I'm sure we're getting wrong. But here, okay. So um, I'm at Yitu. I, I actually like their website quite a bit. Um, it's much more appealing design-wise to me than the uh, the previous ones I was looking at. Um, so great job there, you two. Um, but it looks like they're also um, so seems like a very uh, similarly Google brainy um, researchy type website. Um, they say that they're developing technologies that are driving change in the world. Um, and those include uh, proprietary um, full stack technology, in-depth explorations into fundamental AI technologies, including computer vision, speech recognition, natural language comprehension, and human machine interactions. Um, uh, they talk about being champions in the face recognition vendor test. Um, which is apparently a gold standard for global industrial applications. Um, They talk about uh, management technologies, uh, 100 million scale data traffic, uh, unlocking multi-industry scenarios for intelligent cities, um, and having world-class technology talent. Um, So there's definitely a... uh, sort of we're we're exploring all the AI things feel plus that sort of uh, very clear call out that they are the best in the world at facial recognition um, there's there's no hiding that these, yeah. these are the it, these are the best and um, uh, I, I see that I, I saw two articles one they it talks about that they are seeking an IPO that's from Bloomberg. Um, it was a recent win on September 3rd, just over a month ago as we record this. Um, and then, but the, the other one is a CNBC article, uh, and the title is These Chinese Facial Recognition, This Chinese Facial Recognition Startup Can Identify a Person in Seconds. And um, it starts off with key points. They're world champions, man. Apparently so. It starts off with the point 
points that uh, China plans to be a global leader in AI by 2030, which is we've all known for a while. Uh, and the market for facial recognition alone is expected to be 9.6 billion by t- uh, 2022. Um, it, the next bullet is a little bit scary, but we it's something we already know. It's China's facial recognition database includes nearly every one of China's 1.4 billion citizens. Um, and then um, it just talked about the fact that they had wide recognition uh, for their facial scan platform. Um, and so a uh, little bit of an ominous overtone before you even get into the article right there. Um, now, this is CNBC, and it, you know, and potentially it's a, an American uh, take uh, as such on that. But yeah, uh, yeah definitely feels uh, like you know a little bit closer to uh, supporting government aims, uh, social currency such as that. Yeah, one uh, one interesting thing that I'm noticing here on on this one is. Uh, I, I mean, similar to some of the other ones, they're emphasizing some of the non-facial recognition stuff that they're doing, which sounds amazing. I mean, uh, there's like a cancer detection tool, um, improving diagnosis of sick children, pushing the boundaries on Mandarin speech recognition. Um, really cool stuff. And and one interesting thing is that some of this, like the sick children one, they talk about uh, Chinese-U.S. Um, joint development. And so uh, there's definitely an international flair to, to some of this research, which they're, uh, which they're highlighting, which, um, yeah, a lot of that sounds, sounds really cool. And I, I don't doubt that, um, you know, it's not like we can't, I can look at the link to these papers, right? They're publishing papers on, on the uh, cancer stuff and, and other things. So it's definitely not like they're, they're just falsifying what they're doing. Right. But but facial recognition and that surveillance is a piece of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that that once again comes back to what is their intent? You know, what are they trying to to do with it across their use case spectrum? Um, and, you know, are and probably many are very reasonable use cases, uh, you know, but are they you know, it's there are some this this article certainly uh, leaves that almost overtone in terms of um how it might be supporting the the uh, the social currency system uh, in China, which which obviously you know there's a there's a value difference right there, uh, you know between Western values and and Eastern values at least there in China, um, that's the kind of thing that would scare uh, most Westerners in in a variety of Western countries. I think um, even in <clears throat> even in places like like in the UK and London where people uh, expect to be surveilled, I think they would expect that the way the information is being used is, is not, not so nefarious. Um, so, uh, it's, it's interesting to see, uh, as we look at global trade, how we're going to reconcile some of these differences in terms of how we approach, um, society, how we approach, uh, uh, business and trade. Um, and I think, uh, some of these, these companies, you know, they, they may be, uh, acting completely appropriately based on on a, an objective standard um, I think it would I think one of the scary things certainly for the uh, the American perspective is just the ability to verify that the ability to understand that they're dealing with a vendor that's that does not have an ulterior motive and stuff uh, whether or not that put it would deserve to put them on the list here or not I, I have no insight into that but um, it's uh, it's a tough thing and I think I don't think we're anywhere near uh, solving that. Yeah, I think, I mean, if I was to summarize kind of what I think I've 
seen in going through this exercise, which again, is just a brief exercise. So, you know, I'm sure there's a, many more elements of this that, that we don't know about. But if I was to kind of summarize my where my mind is at on it is, you know, on the positive side, these AI companies and researchers in China are without a doubt top notch. Absolutely. And uh, are doing some amazing things in in computer vision, but also outside of computer vision in places like language and, and other uh, areas like chat and dialogue and, and voice. Um, and so there's no question that they are producing some, some amazing research findings and advancing those fields. Um, but there's kind of always this undertone of like, well, how how much are these companies involved with the Chinese government and how much of their funding is coming from these projects that are explicitly um, targeting and marginalizing these, uh, you know, Muslim minority and other communities. So there's kind of always like, yes, we know you're innovating in all these areas, but um, there's kind of this shadow cast on a lot of that, which is unfortunate in terms of, uh, you know, how much of it is being used for, for those purposes. So that, that's kind of where, where my mind is at, I guess. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a real cultural difference in terms of, um, of knowing, you know, you know, as someone who is working in, in the American defense industry, it, it is, you, you generally know whether or not a company uh, in this industry has a direct government die or not. You may not know the specifics of the work that they do, but um, we don't tend to to leave that uh, so ambiguous uh, in terms of your understanding. You know, I work for Lockheed Martin. Everybody knows that Lockheed Martin does work with the with the U.S. government and other governments. It's not hidden. It's in the news all the time. And so you kind of know what you're getting there. I think the challenge in in uh, certainly American minds and maybe maybe Western minds at large is the fact that the relationships are not are not so obvious um, in in ch- with China and the companies between the government and the companies that are there um, and in my very biased viewpoint, I would argue that that if they were able to establish more clearly uh, in a transparent way uh, what their business with their own government is, if any, that would help uh, that would help alleviate many of the concerns that other countries have because obviously no no nation state is going to want to subject itself to potential spying uh, by any other country and that's not even specific to these cases but um, I think transparent. This is one of those things where having that relation, if you whether you have a relationship or don't have a relationship between government and uh, and business, being transparent about the existence or or or, or lack of one uh, would would certainly alleviate concerns around the world. Sure, well well put, and uh, um, I think that this whole uh, episode has been a learning experience for me. Hopefully, it has for our listeners as well. Um, we will put all of the links that we accessed um, into our show notes so that you could do, uh, you know, recreate our experiment if you like. Um, Before we close out for the day, I just wanted to mention on a completely different subject, um, TensorFlow 2.0, that happened. And, um, you know, we always like to share a few practical learning resources. Hopefully, again, this episode has been a learning uh, 
resource in, in some ways, but um, on the practical programming side, um, uh, Francois Chalet uh, created this really nice um, uh, TensorFlow 2.0 and Keras Overview collab notebook. Um, so uh, we'll link that in the notes if you're if you're wanting to keep up with that uh, TensorFlow 2.0 stuff and and Keras, um, that's a great place to to start. Um, so I, I definitely want to take a look at that. Absolutely, and I want to invite all of our listeners uh, to engage us. So many of you already do engage us in our Slack community, engage us on Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn. Um, today was an experiment as an episode, and uh, we enjoyed ourselves. Uh, let us know whether you liked it. If you didn't like it. Let us know that too. Um, we're going to continue to experiment with the show and try different things. Um, and a lot of the things that we try come from your comments. So uh, don't hesitate to let us know what you think and make suggestions. And uh, thank you for listening again. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Chris. Take care, Daniel. All right. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Practically AI. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor. Go on iTunes. Give us a rating. Go in your podcast app and favorite it. If you are on Twitter or a social network, share a link with a friend. Whatever you got to do, share the show with a friend if you enjoyed it. And bandwidth for changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. And we catch our errors before our users do here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com slash Changelog. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. Check them out. Support this show. This episode is hosted by Daniel Whitenack and Chris Benson. The music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. And you can find more shows just like this at changelaw.com. When you go there, pop in your email address, get our weekly email keeping you up to date with the news and podcasts for developers in your inbox every single week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.